Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. A sick Ryan today. Today, Ryan and I... (laughs) Don't mean to laugh, but... Anyway. Today, Ryan and I discuss the nominations for 2023's Oscars and give you our predictions. We admittedly haven't seen everything, or even most of the things, but that won't stop us from telling you what we liked, what's overrated, and what'll probably win, because it's never the thing you like. Mm-hmm. Zooming in, I don't are... see, I don't yeah. see that we weren't nominated for anything. So, well, see, that's just another re- that's just another reason the Oscars are stupid. <laughs> they don't recognize real talent. There should they be don't a podcast. Recognize- podcasts <laughs> yeah there should be a podcast category or maybe that's more oh of a God. golden globes thing i don't know I feel like so, joe uh, rogan would win every year for some reason well it's the popularity contest uh so zooming mm-hmm. into our medium shot uh, we're just going to break down what we're going to do quick uh so we're just going to go through all the award nominations as we stole from the academy's website just one by one in the order they posted them and we're just going to say Who's nominated, what we think is going to win, and what's actually our favorite. So, into our close-up now, we're going to begin with actor in a leading role. Nominees, Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. So my pick for actor in a leading role is Brendan Fraser by a hair. Because for me, it's neck and neck between him and Butler. And I'm like, well, you know, Butler's a great performer, but he's going to have another chance eventually mm-hmm. to, uh, to win this thing. So this is the best performance Fraser's ever done. I don't know how many more he's got like this in him. Hopefully there'll be a lot, but I don't know. His, his career is long enough that I'm like, oh, now no, this is the time. You got it this year. Just uh, get awarded for it. What about you? Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I think it's going to be Frasier. Uh, and if it's not Frasier, it's probably going to be Austin Butler. It's, in, it's between those two. But yeah, we've talked about this before where Oscars love uh, to nominate someone who deserved the award or might have deserved the award earlier on in their career, but just waited decades until they're older to get like a really good role and then just make them win for that i mean you could there's all sorts of there's all sorts of examples for that there's leo dicaprio there's uh more recently gary oldman with um the darkest hour i think he was like nominated something like seven times before he actually won an oscar which was crazy mm-hmm. uh but yeah i think but besides the, the stigma towards that i think Brendan Fraser just knocked it out the park. I, he was the. I mean, they both did, but both Austin Butler and uh, Brendan Fraser made me not, uh, made me forget that they were actors portraying a certain role, and just made me believe that they were the actual characters that they were. Yeah. And but what I love, and I think the reason why I think Fraser's going to win, it's just a more personal story. It's a more, uh, it's a more emotional story, and it puts on his acting chops really well not to say that austin butler's didn't because the recreations he was excellent in the the some of the songs he sang himself were really good i actually looked up some of the songs he actually sang and was surprised which ones he sang and uh 
Yeah, I just don't think the way it was edited in that Baz Luhrmann style, I don't think there was enough in terms of emotional scene. There's great emotional scenes from Austin Butler as Elvis, especially when he's blowing up on his manager. Uh, yeah. But I just don't think there was enough to combat uh, combat uh, Brendan Fraser. So that's my pick. Looking at it, well, okay. So now what it will probably be, we agree it'll be Brendan Fraser will probably win. And I'm going to look at this a little bit more cynically and say that um, I was joking about this with you a couple months ago, but I thought to myself, okay, so what's more in with the Academy this year? A nostalgic look at an American icon, biopics are always really popular, Austin Butler embodied Elvis, who's this rags to riches story, um, the American dream come to life, or is a comeback story about a disability and mental health struggles more in this year? So what's What's more in nostalgia or empathy? I think lately the Academy veers towards empathy, though they do love a good dose of nostalgia. So the, the comeback story for Frasier is uh, too hard to pass up for them, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, um, next up is actor in a supporting role. Nominees, Brendan Gleeson, The Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry, Causeway, Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans, Barry Keegan, the Banshees of Inisherin and Kihoi Kwan, Everything Everywhere All at Once. My pick for actor in a supporting role is Barry Keegan for Banshees of Inisherin, because he was unrecognizable in this role. I was watching the movie and it didn't, and it wasn't until the very end when I saw his name, I'm like, oh, that's who that was. I, can, I, I, didn't, I know I know this guy from somewhere, but that's how much he transformed himself i didn't even recognize the guy not that i'm overly familiar with him anyway but i just he he blew me away that way uh so he's he just edges out uh but they're all really good though uh from what i saw the only one i haven't seen in this category mm-hmm. was uh brian tyree henry in causeway but they're all really good what they do here it's a What's good pick? pick uh I haven't seen this movie, but Ki Hu Kwan, I just think, you know, there's just a lot of buzz around him. And again, it's the same thing with Hollywood. You know, you have an actor who disappears for 30 years, comes back, does an amazing role, uh, especially with a movie that's this popular, but also this well done, where I'm de- I'm going to watch it. I'm 100% going to watch it before the Oscars. And uh, I've heard he's absolutely phenomenal in it. Um, all I know is I thought he was the villain, but I, I don't think he is the villain. I think he's just the supporting no, actor. No, he's a, he's the love interest or main Got, supporting okay. character. He's Michelle Yeoh's husband. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, I think I just I think it's good recognition for the Academy. Just how he was in again, he was short round. He was in Goonies. He had an amazing career as a child, and then he sort of was kind of pushed away because I think people thought only saw him as one note. And then this movie kind of just shows the light of he's not one note. You know, he's got chops in him. He was very versatile. He was very versatile. Everything, everywhere, all at once is about all these parallel realities. So he had to play many different versions of himself in this movie. And all of them I thought he nailed. Which is why when it comes to who will probably win, I say it's going to be Ki Hai Kwan. Because, well, first of all, he just gave a great performance in that movie. And second, like you said, it's the comeback story which I think they're just going to be suckers for this year. It seems to be the year of comeback stories. So 
at least for the actors this year. So moving on to actress in a leading role, we have Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough to Leslie, Michelle Williams, The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. My pick for actress in a leading role this year would go to Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> once Michelle again, because <laughs> once again, that movie is all about the different parallel dimensions. So the fact that she got to play so many different versions of her character, and it's hard to make every version of your character feel both consistent yet distinct in every world. Because these are different versions of herself who've been impacted by different events throughout their life. Every single choice she ever made led to a different turn. There's She plays comedy very well, and she's also an action star, too. She does a lot of her own stunts. She's, Michelle Yeoh is just magnificent all around. She does drama, comedy, action, all in equal measure. Uh, she's just a powerhouse of a performer, and I'm a big fan of hers. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh is just just an icon. Like she's just from the um just like her her kung fu background or her martial arts background, I should say. I don't know if it's specifically kung fu. Um she's just she's just a legend. She's just a legend in this industry and you can't deny that. Uh whenever she's on screen, even if it was like one of those cheesy made for TV movies or Disney movies, you saw her you're like, "Oh, it's Michelle Yeoh." Like she's just and her her voice is amazing too. She's done some voice work. Any other year, I think it would have gone to maybe like Michelle Williams or Kate Blanchett. But it's they're Michelle more Yo, standard. They're definitely be. more standard yeah. picks for sure. Uh, but what it will probably be, I think it, it's going to be Kate Blanchett this year because I hear I haven't seen Tar, although my brother said it was garbage. So maybe I'll get around <laughs> to it. But. Uh, just there's just a lot of buzz around her this year for that role. I don't I hear the movie's bad, but I hear she's fantastic in it and when it comes to this category in particular, she's the name I'm hearing show up the most, so I think she's the one who's yeah. going to win this year. Which I hope not because I mean Kate like I love Kate Blanchett. She's phenomenal. Uh but she's already won one. So, <laughs> give it to Michelle. <laughs> well, that you know, that might also be a factor then, because they don't like giving mm-hmm. awards that they've given already, unless it's been a really long yeah. time apart. But I will say, even though I was super disappointed with Blonde, Anna de Armas did a phenomenal job as uh, Marilyn Monroe. Once I again, going back that. to that nostalgia thing, going back to playing an American icon, the, the Academy loves that stuff. Yep. So, actress in a supporting role. I actually saw them all. Angela Bassett, Black <laughs> Panther, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao, The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inisherin, and Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere All at Once. So, my pick for this year is Angela Bassett in Black Panther. Because she played that grieving mother so powerfully, and, you know, we all... And which, of course, she was grieving in real life, too, because she was close with Chadwick Boseman, and as a lot of the cast in that movie was. So they're all playing their grief in, for, for real, but it really comes through the screen. She plays a powerful queen commanding figure. Uh, it's, it's not often we see prominent queens in media, I think, so not much that I've seen anyway. So that was just 
a little something different too. And just she was a great lead. Like I remember that scene when she was facing down the United Nations, and she's just so charismatic mm-hmm. and yeah. I, yeah, I think she was absolutely phenomenal. She was a scene stealer. I was about to spoil the movie for a second, but uh, I'm not going to do that because I do think people need to go see this movie um, for many reasons, but also just of Angela Bassett. But again, it just shows how good, a little positive thing for Marvel, just how good Marvel is at their casting, that they yeah. really do just cast the most A-list actors. Like, they cast actors, and then they cast actors. You know what I mean? Like, they cast people who've done Shakespeare, who've done Broadway, and done plays, and studied acting to a T. And Angela Bassett is phenomenal. Take away the stigma that you have with superhero movies for a second, and just look at the performance as a whole. She's a scene stealer in all this. Um, I Again, I, when we did our whale interview, I was saying I hope Han Chow gets nominated, and it sucks that she has to go against Angela Bassett, but that would also be my other pick as well. Yeah, as for what it will actually be for the winner, I think it'll be Angela Bassett or Hong Chao. Because I agree with you, Hong Chao was fantastic in, in The Whale as well. She was, you know, not as good as Frazier's lead performance, but she was the second most standout in that movie, for sure. I just, I could for feel sure. her, I could feel her death glare through the screen. She wasn't even looking at me and I'd be like, ah, I don't want, I don't want someone to look like that You don't to want me. the smoke. <laughs> oh, no, no, that would terrify me. To be on the other end of that character she played. It's very imposing. So that's kind of a crapshoot. But you know what? We gotta we gotta put our line in the sand, so I'm gonna say Angela Bassett. Pick a lane. Just so people can come back on me later and tell me how wrong I was. Cause to be clear, yeah. I don't think I don't think we're doing a follow up to this episode. We're probably not gonna discuss the Oscars afterwards, cause like we're doing that now. What more are we going to say except to yeah. one? Right? So this is our commentary now, and if we were wrong... Maybe like a clip or something, yeah. Maybe. Nothing like... Not a whole podcast. Yeah. If we were wrong, feel free to tell us so, but this is us putting our lives... Unless in the there's center. another slap. Unless there's another slap, and then we'll... Unless, <laughs> yeah, unless something crazy happens at the Oscars again, have at it. I don't even know if I'm going to watch the Oscars this year, to be honest. I didn't watch it last year either. I might stream it. Or I might just look at a live feed of the winners as yeah. they come. That's what I did last year. I'll probably, I'll probably be working, so who knows, man. The ceremony itself just doesn't uh, rivet me much anymore, but I do like the films. I like mm-hmm. getting good. I like the, what I like about the Oscars more than anything is these nominations because it gives me a good list of recommendations that maybe I didn't hear about at the time that I'm like, oh, well... I trust the Oscars enough to say that I'll, these are worth giving a shot most of the time. I may not like them all. I may not like the winners, but I do like seeing stuff I may not have otherwise. Uh, speaking of uh, animated feature films is next, uh, and I saw none of them. So Yeah, neither did I. I didn't see any of these. And usually I'm kind of up to up to date on uh, animated stuff, but I was not this year. So we got Guillermo del, Toro, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Why are all these tongue twisters? Puss in Boots, The Lost Wet, The Last Wish, The Sea wow. Beast, and Turning Red. 
I've heard good things about most of these. So, mm-hmm. I, but I, I didn't see any, so I'm not even going to comment. Although I, I will see yeah. Pinocchio bef- before the Oscars at some time. I'm going to assume it's Pinocchio, but I just threw in Marshall the Shell, just uh, like kind of just like, yeah, I've heard very good th- things about that. I heard one guy was kind of miffed that wasn't nominated for Best Picture because he doesn't feel like it's an animated movie. But it is. It's like it's. It's I about a cartoon. I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I was never really so. into Marcel the Shell. Just I remember those videos when I was eleven, twelve. My best friend at the time was super into them, and he would show mm-hmm. me sometimes. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really get it, but it's kind of funny. But uh, what it will probably be, I'm gonna say Pinocchio. That's my Pinocchio. guess for the Oscars pool. So cinematography. All Quiet on the Western Front, James Friend. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Darius Kanji. Elvis, Mandy Walker. Empire of Light, Roger Deakins. And Tar, Florian Hoffmeister. My pick for cinematography, All Quiet on the Western Front. I just saw this yesterday, so it's pretty fresh in my mind. I just love the sweeping battlefields of World War I, the dreary atmosphere, the harsh lighting the the way it, it way um it just makes it feel like a desolate place where hope goes to die and <laughs> makes world war 1 feel as grim as i imagine it was it just made a really good vibe for uh for what it was trying to produce there yeah i agree i uh, i watched this way earlier than you did probably uh, uh, maybe a week like, after it came out. So like November it was a while ago. Yeah, November ish. And yeah, I love this movie. I uh, I love how what they're doing is they're adapting these stories from um foreign countries, but they're shooting them and then producing them at like in their native language. Yes. So they did this in German, and they're doing a um Three Musketeers uh, in French is coming out. I'm looking forward Three to that. Three Musketeers. One. It's my mm-hmm. favorite novel. So that's interesting to see. Yeah, and they're being, they're very, like, highly produced, too. Uh, so that'd be my pick for the what's nominated, but I think it should have been Batman. The fact it wasn't nominated at all, I feel is kind of a little, uh, little shitty. Especially for another had, category that's coming up. The Batman had great cinematography, for, for sure. Yeah. The, image, the images Roger in that movie Deak- are burned in my brain for a year. Mm-hmm. I see Roger Deakins is on this list, and ooh. It's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to not give him the Oscar. <laughs> yeah. So what He's I was just gonna a legend, say for, man. What I was gonna say is what the Oscar will probably go to is one of the ones I haven't watched. So if you're a fan of Roger Deakins, I'll put my stake down for Empire of Light. Costume design next. Uh, Mary Zophras for Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Ruth Carter, Elvis, Catherine Martin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Shirley Carada. And Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, Jenny Beaven. My pick for this, Black Panther. Wakanda, just as a society, is already become iconic. The, mm-hmm. Af- the Afrofuturism vibe is one I really gel with. It's just super awesome to look at. It feels both traditional and modern and futuristic at the same time somehow. Everything from their, um, you know, just... Anything from their accessories to their fashions is just, it's spectacular to look at. But it's also, it feels different than what you usually see because we're so inundated with more 
Western designs in these movies that to have something African-inspired just stands out all the more, especially compared to all these other nominees which focus a lot on American history. Mm-hmm. So what's your pick? Yeah, I, uh, I agree. The Black Panther costume design was really good. Uh, I kind of went a little different here. Um, it's a good pick. Like all, again, let, let's be honest here. The all these are good picks. Like every yeah. nomination, everyone who's nominated deserves to win. But uh, I went a little different here. I said Elvis. I just think the recreation of some of the most iconic Elvis outfits were really on point. Nothing mm-hmm. felt too gimmicky. I thought even even the extras looked really good. Um, probably the best recreation is uh, Tom Hanks's Christmas sweater. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it was just a really good costume design and. It's it's hard to combat against that, I feel, but... Uh, Elvis was my second choice. Yeah, I don't know. I think what it'll probably be is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, because that movie, is thing, as far as I remember, is prominently about fashion design, so they ought to be good, oh. at least. And it looked good from the trailer, and it's the only one in this category I didn't see, so still sticking with that theme. I wonder if they'll do a crossover with Emily. No, Emily, Emily goes, goes to, Paris. to Paris. Emily, yeah, em, yeah whatever. Uh, yeah. Which I, which I haven't. That'd be seen, funny if I they did. That'd be funny if they did. If, if uh, Lily Collins just showed up at the end of that movie. <laughs> <Ha>. <laughs> so for directing, we have Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inisherin, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Oslin for A Triangle of Sadness. My pick. Steven Spielberg, because he's my favorite director. I'm very biased here, and his portrayal of his own life moved me to tears, and he made film as a medium seem like this wondrous thing. I watched The Fablemans, and I'm like, yeah, this is why I wanted to be a filmmaker in the first place. This is just makes me re-fall in love with the medium of film. His overall product, the vulnerability that he displayed in, in doing it, and... You know from his history, he's a solid, proven name already. A lot of what he does turns to gold. He's, just, he's got a very good vision for things. He executes them very well. Spielberg is just, just awesome all around. And he was my favorite director this year. As always. Yeah, he's my pick too. I was watching uh, in the theater a couple weeks ago, watching this movie and just being in awe about how just well the like how well the shots were and how um just how well paced everything was was the uh, cinematographer was he nominated for Fablements? no he wasn't that kind of surprised me a little bit but just how the shot composition was was really well done how it's most of it is just one takes and it's allowing the actors to actually act fully in the scene it's not jump cutting from one reaction to another and I just think it was really well done how the camera, and it's not even it's not even the stupid modern way where someone's walk around handheld and they don't smooth it out, which is one of my biggest pet peeves. It feels smooth. It feels like you're actually watching a film. I it was it was a beautiful movie. So yeah, I think he'll he'll he should win it. He's only got like what one or two, but he needs like twenty more. I love that scene at the end where he gives that little lesson in composition theory where John Ford makes mm-hmm. him look at the, at the paintings and he says, okay, what's interesting about this one and this one, this one is 
filmed really high, looking at the horizon below. This one, the horizon's on top, and you're looking up at it. That's interesting, that's interesting. If the horizon's in the middle, it's boring. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I just, I like that he even has little film lessons in there. So what the actual directing Oscar will probably go to, I think, will be Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Because what they pulled off with this movie was freaking incredible. They had so many different things to juggle, all these parallel realities, all these different costumes and sets, and a really strange and quirky and complex plot of tangling webs and magic donuts to bring together. And in most other directors' hands, that movie would have been a flop. They would not have Mm -hmm. pulled it off. So the fact, just look at this movie and it's a miracle that it's good. It's a great movie. But the (laughs) fact that it's even good is a miracle with all they had to juggle there. So I think, you know, they're not my favorite directors of of the year, obviously, but I think they'll probably win it. And they would deserve it. Yeah. Well-deserved, yeah. Just for the execution alone. So documentary feature film. We have All That Breathes. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. My pick, I saw none. So, I have no comment. I don't even know what they're mm-hmm. about. Uh, yeah, I got Yeah, I don't, I don't know nothing. Uh, I put Light and Magic, even though it wasn't nominated. And, and I'm surprised series. it wasn't nominated. Well, because it, it was a series. Oh, shit. Never mind. Let me take that out. <laughs> <laughs> But we're still realize. saying, but the close-up pick for documentary feature film is still Light and Magic. <laughs> a six-hour movie. Exactly. But just I think make it all, I, make I it just all heard, one cut. I heard the favorite is Fire and Love, or at least among my friends, so I feel like that might be the winner. I don't know what it's about. Sure, that, that's what we'll go with then. The Ryan's Friends recommendation. Uh, Fire of Love. It's the only it's the only opinion I know. I don't know anybody who's seen these films, so I got to go with that, I guess. Yeah. Documentary short film. The Elephant Whisperers. Hall Out. How do you measure a year? The Martha Mitchell effect. Stranger at the Gate. I also saw none. So I have no comment here. I haven't seen any. So let's just say so, a name. <laughs> so I'm going to say, how do you measure a year? Sure. Why not? It's the one in the middle. (laughs) I don't even know what it's about, but the first thing that came to mind was Rent. Just because it's a line from one of those songs in there, right? Maybe it's about that. Oh. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm giving you just an impression here. That's why I'm picking it randomly. I'm actually going to look it up and see if it's... Sure. Let's just see. So I'll move on in the meantime. Film editing, uh, Michael E.G. Nielsen, Mikael E.G. Nielsen for The Banshees of Inishirin, Matt Villa and Jonathan Redmond for Elvis, Paul Rogers for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Monica Willey for Tar, and Eddie Hamilton for Top Gun Maverick. You find the answer yet? Uh, it's, it, there's no tie-in. It's just the, uh, Zero. It's just the title. Okay, well, yeah. I'm still going with that because it reminded <laughs> me of something good. It's a good title. All right. So my pick for film editing, Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, yeah. by Paul <laughs> Rogers. So it's like I said with the directing. It just 
had a ridiculous amount of things to interconnect. And especially towards the end when the realities are kind of converging and her mind is bouncing back and forth between all the different parallel universes, there is so freaking much to keep track of, it could have easily devolved into a nonsensical mess if the editing wasn't on point. So usually editing is kind of unobtrusive and blends into the background, but everything everywhere all at once as editing actually stood out to me is, I don't know how the hell you pulled this off and it still makes sense. I was actually mm-hmm. impressed with the editing when I left the theater, and that was the only one this year. So the fact that it was nominated, it has to be my choice. And that's why I also think it'll probably be the Oscar winner, too. Because, yeah, these other ones are good. They're functional. They're, they're solid contenders for what they do. But everything everywhere is legitimately impressive for what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, just how, again, it's just based off of execution. Like, with the same directors, the fact you're able to tell the story and have it make sense to a lot of audiences, especially especially Western audiences, is uh, is a feat on its own. And for a film like that, where it's like multiple dimensions, they have to be the winner. Yeah. So next up is international feature film. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Germany. Argentina, 1985, by Argentina. Close, from Belgium. Io, Poland and The Quiet Girl from Ireland. My pick is All Quiet on the Western Front, because it's the only one I saw out of that. But it's also based on one of my favorite novels, so I had high expectations going into this story to start. Um, Yeah, it's got to be All Quiet. It's a powerful and stirring anti-war story. It's still relevant today, because war still exists unfortunately and it's never gotten any better it's about how propaganda (laughs) convinces young guys to go out and fight and when they get there it's you know nothing like they thought it would be and it's mostly meaningless for why they die even even if they have a decent reason to go and fight they think it's it's mostly meaningless and for nothing in the end and it just has the, the bleakness of warfare is really well communicated in that movie. Mm-hmm. You can even make the argument this this version was better than some uh, other war movies that were made recently, but I'm not going to say which ones. Go for it. I mean, they're all great. Tear something down. I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like some are bad, but I just think... Most, you know I think... Gonna say it. I think most glorify war more than anything. Yeah, There's a lo- this one actually like shows you the horror of it. Especially American movies. They really glorify the American industrial, military industrial complex. Which yeah. even movies like Top Gun, which I do love, do that. They make the, Amer- they make the military oh, yeah. in war look badass. Like, yeah, I'm going to enlist in this. Top Gun is the exact opposite, and it's more entertaining, but it's also less impactful in the... Um, in that way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think what the winner for this category will probably be is I think it's going to be All Quiet. But I'm also going to say that just by process of elimination because All Quiet's the only one from this list that made the actual top 10 Best Picture nominees. So clearly yeah. the Academy thought this was the Best Picture of International if they put it <laughs> in the main one. 
Just saying. Watch it not win either. Yeah. Just be like, what? Or they'll, or they put it in here because they, or they put it in the best one because they thought it was the best one, but they're also like, oh, well, we have to give it something. So if it doesn't win best international, then we, it'll be at least nominated for the best picture. Or if it wins it, if Mm -hmm. we give it, if we give it best international feature film, we don't have to give it for best picture, but we can have it in there. So it looks like we're honoring international films, which I'm, I appreciate they're trying to do more lately. Like when Parasite won a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, Hollywood's letting something from South Korea win the big award. That's shocking. Mm-hmm. Maybe something from Germany will finally win a foreign language film. Yeah. And it also is precedent because I think All Quiet on the Western Front was the second or third movie to ever win Best Picture at the Oscars in 1930. So All Quiet on the Western Front's got a history with the Academy already. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah. I mean, the American version, but... So, next up is makeup and hairstyling. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Hike Marker, and Linda Eisenhammerova. I'm sorry about all these names, by the way. I'm, I'm probably butchering so many. Uh, the Batman, Naomi Dunn, Mike Marino, and Mike Fontaine, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Camille Friend, and Joel Harlow. Elvis, Mark Coulier, Jason Baird, and Aldo Signoretti, and The Whale, Adrian Moreau, Judy Chin, and Anne-Marie Bradley. So, another category where I saw them all. So, my opinion is <laughs> gospel here. Uh, and I say The Whale, because what they did to Brendan Fraser was extraordinary. I've never seen fat makeup be so convincing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And we talked about in the whale interview where, the interview, we didn't interview anybody, podcast where, uh, he had to, it was like six hours to get into the suit. He had to wear ice packs six times a day so he didn't die from overheating or have a heat stroke. I mean, the, the amount of effort it took just to wear this prosthetic was absolutely phenomenal. So that's my pick as well. But I think what it'll probably be, I'm going to say Elvis. Because Black Cause Panther, of the hair. Will, well, because <laughs> Black Panther will have won more awards, and they want to throw it a bone. That's that's my reasoning. They're gonna want to do Black Panther, but they're gonna want to give, but they're gonna give it to Elvis. Because yeah. the whale, because the whale had one really great makeup effect, mm-hmm. and these other ones have really well. well done. So did the Suicide Squad, and then it won too. <laughs> yeah. That Killer Croc effect was incredible at the time. I mean, yeah. I remember seeing that live and being like, really? <laughs> like, that's your pick? <laughs> Oscar winning Suicide Squad. Because I think, uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, the Star Trek movie was nominated that year, too. Beyond. Yeah. Makeup was good in that one, too. It was solid. They made Idris Elba look completely like you wouldn't even, yeah. I didn't know he was in that movie. Exactly. That's how good it was. <laughs> uh, so next up is music, original score. We got All Quiet on the Western Front, Volker Bertelman, Babylon, Justin Hurwitz, The Banshees of Inisherin, Carter Burwell, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Son Lux, and The Fablemans. I don't know this guy. John 
Williams. Okay. Yeah, uh, he did something called Star something. Trek? I don't know. Trek? Maybe? Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my pick, another one, I saw them all. I got to tell you every time because I have to, I have to celebrate mm-hmm. when I actually saw them all. I mean, if to I see all of the movies in a category is not easy. No. Uh, I got to say Justin Hurwitz for Babylon here or my brother's going to kill me because he's a, I'm not <laughs> really a huge score guy, but he is. And he thought Justin Hurwitz, I think Luke saw, my brother saw all these as well. And uh, yeah, Justin Hurwitz is one of his favorites. Interesting. So, and it was his favorite of this last year. Because he's really good with the, he's got a variety of stuff in there too. It's mostly jazz inspired, but a lot of the music, uh, especially for the one character who um, I don't remember his name at the moment, but the the band leader, the trumpet player in Babylon, his music was exceptional too. They had to make him sound like a really good performer, and you really want to listen to this guy. It's just the the trumpet stuff in particular was very impressive. Did you see Babylon together? Uh, yeah, I did see it with him. Ah, okay. Yeah. Curious. Yeah, I put the Batman. Uh, I know it's not nominated, but it has one of the most phenomenal superhero scores I've ever heard in my life. The fact it wasn't nominated is such... is so insulting to, uh... I can't remember his name. I think his name's Ludwig. Ludwig Gonson? That's... Yeah, that... That score is so amazing. Where like it's, I wish we could play it now, but there's a thing called demonetization and copyright law. But it's just like the dun 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 dun. It's so epic. It's so powerful. What I it's, like about it, that one just, is that it's relentless. It's just yeah. The same. It's pretty much. It's like Jaws kind of effect. It's the same kind mm-hmm. of thing, just repeated over and over, and just growing more epic, more intense as, as it goes. It's just the Batman being all-encompassing as fear and vengeance and just building up as this small little thing nearly from inside the shadows to just build up to become this symbol of something even more epic, which is kind of the plot of the movie, just in the main theme. You're right. It's like Ludwig took Hans, it took Hans Zimmer's, like, blah, and then just made it, like, an actual score. (laughs) Pretty much. So what I think the winner will actually be, I'm going to go with the Banshees of Inisherin because Hurwitz and Williams have a bunch of Oscars already. So they'll give it to somebody who's never won before. I think, I think Williams has like five or something. Yeah. And Justin Hurwitz won, I think a couple for La La Land. Oh, he did. Oh yeah. I forgot Damon Chazelle. They would have. Yeah. Stayed together. So I think it's going to be Carter Burwell, Banshees of Inisherin. So oh music. My, God, my foot is stuck to a bag. Hmm. Oh my God. Okay, sorry. That's annoying. All Go right. Ahead. Music, original song. Applause from Tell It Like a Woman. Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Natu Natu from RRR. This is a life from everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, that's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hadn't, once again, I'm not a huge music guy, so I had to listen to all these just last night out of context mm-hmm. in their movies. Maybe that would change it if I saw them in their movies, but I was just listening to the songs last night 
and the only one that I was really vibing with was Not To Not To. I haven't even seen RRR, and I plan to because I've only heard great things about it, and it's on Netflix, so that'll be easy enough. But uh, it's not even that hard to access. But yeah, Not To Not To is just, it's a, it's a vibe. <laughs> just the, the dancing is super kinetic. It has a lot of interesting... Uh, it's not just one repetitive melody throughout. There's different sections to it, different um, different kinds of uh, rhythms as well. It's just a really interesting composition from a musical standpoint. And also, I agree with the comments in the video. I'd like to see the guys from the movie do their dance at the Oscars live because that would be <laughs> incredible. That'd be funny. Perform that. I yeah. feel like they probably would or they just hire a bunch of dancers but i put i put lift me up because why not i think it'd be funny to see rihanna win an oscar i think that's what's gonna win i i think that's what's gonna win the oscar because chadwick they're gonna put the yeah depressing song in honor of a uh in honor of a celebrity everybody loved there yeah so i think that's gonna be what they'll do there uh, but my other favorite was Hold My Hand, because when I listened to them all last night, that's the only one that's been stuck in my head. Lady Gaga's a great yeah, performer. Gaga, yeah. She had the most powerful voice out of all these. Just She really impressed me with that one. But once again, Not To Not To is the vibe, I, so I gotta go with that. Uh, best Picture. We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishrin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. There's so many nominations for just, like, the best picture. Good. It's crazy. I'd rather there be the ten, and they have to narrow it down. Than it used to be five. And then they yeah. did that thing for a while where it was ten, but they didn't actually nominate ten, which was annoying. Like, stop. Oh, right, right, right. Just yeah. do the... It was like, yeah, they have a max of 10, and they'd only nominated 7 or something. I'm like, what are you doing? Just just do the 10. <laughs> so my pick out of all these, the, the only ones I didn't see were Tar, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So I saw 7 out of 10. My favorite movie of last year was Top Gun Maverick. Watch our recap list from a couple weeks ago. But Top Gun Maverick... It moved me. It entertained me. It's the best blockbuster cinema. It's just entertaining. It's rewatchable. Out of all the movies on this list, it's, I bet you it's one of the only ones people en masse will go back to rewatch as representative of 2022 and the film industry. It, it's got that legacy thing that a lot of movies are trying to tap into nowadays, but it actually did it well. It's a movie that finally got people to come back to the theaters in droves. So it kind of saved the cinema industry this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just representative of where film was at in 2022, Top Gun Maverick is doing everything right. It's taken all the trends from modern times and is just doing it in the best way they possibly can. So that's my favorite one of the year. It's not going to win, but it's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, I think my pick is to uh, Top Gun or The Whale. They both just moved me in two different ways. Like you said, Top Gun was just an amazing theater, experi uh, theater experience. 
where I was just so immersed in the world with the characters, especially even watching the original Top Gun the night before, getting to know some of the characters. And it was, again, it's just an amazing theater experience. It's so much fun. If people haven't seen this movie in theaters, it's not anymore, but rent a small theater and go play it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a great, it's meant for the big screen. Great movie. And then the whale just moved me so much that I feel like this is just snubbed. be the whale. Yeah. It's not on that list. It's not. No. Oh, it's not. Oh, I assumed it was. Never mind. Uh, never mind. <laughs> so Ryan, so Ryan's uh, uh, announcing a snub here. I guess I am announcing a stub. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I guess just the way it was like a personal favorite, but if I was to pick something else, I'd probably pick um that I think would actually win is probably every every everywhere everywhere. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think that's I would be shocked if they put Avatar. Could you imagine? Again. <laughs> it won't be Avatar cuz the Academy doesn't reward sequels which is also probably why they're not going to reward did it win in 2009 yeah oh my god that was best picture that year (laughs) so the academy doesn't like sequels which means top gun maverick and avatar are both out it's the same reason mad max fury road only won other award like it was nominated they gave it some credit won like six awards that year yeah but it's the fourth installment of a popular franchise. So no, no, it's not good enough to win Best Picture. You're not no, allowed no, at that no, point. No. Yeah. So what I think was actually going to win, Everything Everywhere All at Once, or one of the ones I haven't seen, like Women Talking, because that one sounds important and topical. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what it's about, but it sounds like something the Academy would like. And it's be like, like, this that, is, uh... like, this is important, so we should we should award this because... Like, women's voices need to be heard, and they do, to be clear, but that's just what the Academy likes to they award, do. those kind of movies. <laughs> it's It was like that uh, that one year, I think it was last year, where it was all the streaming, uh, like, productions were best up for Best Picture, and mm-hmm. the one that won was, like, the one that people saw the least. It was, like, the Apple Plus one, I think it was Coda or something, and people oh, were yeah. like, oh, I guess I have to go see this now. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I do still want to see Coda. I still haven't seen that. All right, so no we got uh, production design. Avatar doesn't count. Production, yeah, because it's all. <laughs> Why isn't that in, in best e- animated? If that was in best animated, it's not even there. <laughs> yeah. So we got All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and the Fablemans. Another one. I saw them all. And my pick is Babylon for best production design because that whole movie was about the lavishness of 1920s Hollywood. They really went all out to recreate the vibe of the era, the the luxuries, everywhere from high class to low class environments, the big mansion scenes, Hollywood film sets, the kind of cheaper looking sets they'd have back in those days, the studios. The the back boardrooms, the houses, just everything really immersed you in the period and was just really well handled, I thought. So that's the one that I remember the most out of all these. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of these are, put, like, 
good, but I've seen stuff like that before. Like I've seen mm-hmm. World War One trenches and stuff before, and it's good. I've seen 1950s. You haven't recreation. seen Avatar before. Yes, yeah. I did. 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I've seen 1950s recreations before. I've seen, I guess, when was the Fableman set? 60s and 70s. I've seen. 70s, yeah. I've seen stuff like that before. I haven't seen a lot of 1920s recreations, so it's something different. And that's why I like it, just because it, maybe that's why it stood out mm-hmm. to me. I put the Batman. It's another snub. <laughs> a lot of your snubs are just the Batman. Well, come on, man. It was a phenomenal movie. Yeah, it was. It should have been nominated for and more. Just the, the, the recreation for Gotham, I think, was really well done. And it was very, I think it was different from all the other Gothams where, again, it was set in this realistic tone. I think Matt Reeves is such a visionary. And it really immersed me into this world, especially with all the shots and all the actors and all of that. But yeah, I think that's my last Batman <laughs> category, if I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, we'll hold on. No, nope, I lied. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> I was going to say, don't declare until you're sure. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. Because then they'll call Move you a on. liar. Uh, but I think what it will probably be, Elvis, because 1950s Americana, I said it many times today, but the Academy loves their nostalgia and that 50s mm-hmm. and 60s America. And I think there was even a bit where he was living in California. They love seeing that stuff. Yeah. We love nostalgia. So. Remember when we almost destroyed Elvis's career by putting him into shit movies? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good times. Good times. You made us a lot of money, though. <laughs> That's no soundtracks, matters, kid. Those soundtracks probably sold great. Oh, probably. That was just his career for so long was basically just making movie soundtracks. 100%. So next up we have short film, animated. <sighs> Oh, by the way, if you're going to complain we put Best Picture now instead of to the end, well, yes, that's on us. But it's also just, we're stealing from the Academy's list here. So this is the order they put it. This is what we're going with. So mm-hmm. bl- blame them. I'm passing the buck to them. What you could do is skip the Best Picture stuff, wait to the end, and then go back to the time code where we put Best Picture. So you do all the work. <laughs> exactly. Why should, we ha- why should we have to do all the work? You're, you're here to engage with this podcast. Chop it up. Make whatever order you want. We're giving you what we want. Okay? So just deal with it or leave. But please stay because we this need is, the viewership. This is our Snyder Cut. <laughs> yep. The four-hour long okay. cut where we just attack our audience. Yeah, really. So, short no, that's film. the Whedon Cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, let's take everything good and not do it. Let's put a so, Batman joke scene now. Yeah. Oh, that's that's definitely broken or whatever. Oh, something's definitely broken. Ha ha ha. Batman got hurt because he's weak human. Funny. Short film Batman. animated. The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. The flying sailor. Ice merchants. My year of dicks. An ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it. I saw none of these, but I like the ostrich one, just because of its title. I like the, I like the dicks one. <laughs> I don't know why. All right, moving on. <laughs> I think this That's... is a newer category, is it? Short film animated? I guess they separated animated and live action. Oh, right. That's what it is. I don't know. 
Come to think of it, I don't know if they did used to, or if it just used to be best short film. Maybe there's too I many. I think that's what it was. Yeah, maybe they did separate them this year. Interesting. It's too many categories. <laughs> yeah, but they also they got rid of best sound mixing. They just combined, they amalgamated sound into yeah, one. Yeah, which kind of so, sucks, but yeah. Which we'll get to sound in a moment, but. So best short film, live action, An Irish Goodbye, Tom Berkeley and Ross White, Ivalu, Anders Walter and Rebecca Prison, uh, Le Papille, Alice uh, Rohrwalker and Alfonso Cuaron, Night Ride, Eric Tveiten and Gautlid Larsen, The Red Suitcase, Cyrus Nishvad. My pick, I saw none. So once again, saw I saw neither. No comments here. Probably uh, Le Pepiu because of Alfonso Caron. I'm just going to say that. All it's right. the only name I recognize. All right, one second. It's going to get my charger. Kill the Uh-oh. flow. I planned badly today. That there is a race against the clock. Can I get my laptop plugged in before it shuts down on its own? And I lose all the audio, all the video? I made it, though. That should be the Oscar nice. for short film. Running to get laptop battery <laughs> charger. Uh, so what it will probably um, be, I've got zero guesses. Yeah, uh, no I, I like the red suitcase as a title. I'm curious. What's in, the, what's in this case? And why is it important? What's in the box? All right, sound. All quiet on the Western Front. Avatar, the way of water. The Batman. I wonder which one Ryan's going to pick. Elvis and Top Gun Maverick. My pick? Hey, you picked it too. <laughs> okay. Oh, I did. So I, so I did. And this is another one where I saw them all. I said the Batman. Because everything from the punches, the Batmobile engines, the gadgets, the voice filters on Paul Dano's Riddler, just all of it is just immensely satisfying. The sounds in this movie stick with me nearly a year later. It's just, they just did a really good job Mm -hmm. of making memorable effects here. Yeah, I agree. Just the Batmobile um, starting up alone, it just like gives me chills every time I think about it. That's the main one. It's so good. Yeah. But even with, yeah, again, you, you nailed it. The voice filter, the punches, it's, it's so freaking good. Top Gun's a close second. I think me. Elvis was, I think Elvis is really important, not just because of how, the way they had to blend Austin Butler's guess, voice yeah. with actual Elvis to make up for the low quality sound recordings in the early days, which is why they couldn't just do that for the whole movie. That was really well done as well to actually, when they had to blend it. Um, but yeah, you yeah. can't tell in that Elvis movie. Yeah, I think what it will probably win, though, is Top Gun, because as we've discussed, it's probably going to get shafted for a lot, and they'll want to give it something. So, uh, best sound, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> best jet- Ray-Bans. <laughs> best sunglasses. Go to Tom Cruise, always. Apparently, uh, Ray-Bans, the company, actually credits Tom Cruise for saving their business. Because he wore them in Risky Business in another movie. And everyone's like, I oh, want yeah. Ray-Bans. That's awesome. <laughs> kind of like uh, 
Back to the Future probably saved the DeLorean company. For a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> and then they realized this is a terribly made car. <laughs> it was a terribly made car in that movie, too. It kept conking out at every opportunity. But it made it iconic. Yeah. All right, so we have the most important category now, visual effects. Sorry, that's not the most important. Okay, well, it's the one we care about. Uh, All Mm -hmm. Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. My pick. And once again, I saw them all. Thor Love and Thunder. (laughs) Yes. The Rainbow Bridge. (laughs) The Floating Head. (laughs) I'm Del's Kid, apparently. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other movies that had just terrible effects this year. Uh, it's probably some, probably something by Marvel, but, uh, they have been dropping the ball consistently lately. Their effects get worse every year, except for Wakanda forever here. (laughs) They, they overwork their, they, they overwork their artists. They make them do too much across the board. And that's why they, the quality is just, you think she Hulk will make a cameo at the Oscars? Oh, no. If Family Guy can do it. No, that was the Emmys. Mm. I just realized that. It's possible. Well, we'll see. I hope not, but we'll see. Ted made an appearance. (laughs) That's funny. All right. So my pick for visual effects is Avatar. Yeah. Because, and I think I'm also just going to amalgamate this and say that's what's probably going to win, too. Because these were some of the most innovative effects of 2022. Just what James Cameron did with this film is unlike any movie I've ever seen. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. And it's just, how did you actually pull that off? It's still, it's weird for CGI things. It's mind-boggling. To, well, just not even just CGI, because there was a lot of practical stuff in here too. But it's weird for effects to impress me nowadays. Because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, the, you know, with CGI getting so good, what else can they do? Somehow, James Cameron's still finding a way. To me, it's the interaction between the actual person in the mocap and the water itself. Like, the amount of that, how, like, difficult that is, because in real life, well, not in real life, but before this, if you were to do that, you would have to make every single thing CG. So, in a way, you really wouldn't want your actor to be in real water. I mean, it gives him a better performance, but you would have to cut out the person and then surround that person in CGI water to sort of blend it in, or because the cutting out process is ridiculous. But I don't, maybe they even did that for here, but I just don't even, it just seems like a headache with all the amount of like water interactions they had to do with this, this movie. I just don't know how they so. made it look so realistic because most movies with water, like you said, because it's a composition, it looks super fake because actors are just, Ooh, I'm waving my arms yeah. on a green screen. Look like I'm swimming. <laughs> and they... A funny comparison is the Pinocchio 2022, not the Guillermo del Toro, the Disney live action where... They made three Pinocchio movies G- last year. Mm-hmm. The one with uh, Tom Hanks' Geppetto. He's like in the water and you see the water go over him, but then when the water comes off him, he's completely dry. <laughs> yep. It's, it's hilarious to see. Like, they didn't even bother to, like, splash his, wa- his clothes wet. That's fine. But yeah, I think Avatar's gonna win, because it has to win something. 
So writing, adapted screenplay, All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, and Ian Stockel, Stokel, uh, Glass Onion, a, Live, a Knives Out Mystery, Ryan Johnson, Living, Kazuo Ishiguro, Top Gun Maverick, Aaron Kruger, Eric Walker Singer, Warren, Eric Warren Singer, and uh, Christopher McQuarrie, a story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks, Women Talking by Sarah Pulley. My pick is All Quiet, because... That's my pick, too. I've read the novel. It's... I told Ryan this just before we rolled. It is missing some pretty key parts of the novel, and I don't love what they did with the ending, but, you know, most of it was pretty solid in tone, and they got a lot of the parts I remember from the book, and it is one of my favorite novels. So, yeah, All Quiet on the mm-hmm. Western Front. How is Glass Onion... An adaptation. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm confused by that. that. Are they like kids books or is a... Because I don't... I thought it was like an original thing. And like... Because I was thinking maybe it, it, like Top Gun Maverick is the same kind of thing because it's like... Okay, you're adapting it from the original. Like Knives Out and Top Gun were the original screenplays. And now that it's a sequel, it's adapted from yeah. that original work, maybe? Who you're, knows, you're, man? You're extrapolating more based on that original source material? Maybe that's what... It, like, sequels are just adapted screenplays now, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, think, I think what it'll probably be is women talking, because, once again, it sounds important and topical. Just... I'll probably get around to see. <laughs> I don't know. It just, sound, it just sounds like something that would win an award this year. And I think it's based off a novel, too, um, mm-hmm. which I've never heard of. It looked okay from the trailer. It, just, it, it looked like an Oscar kind of movie, you know? It looks like mm-hmm. something the Academy would like, but I don't know if it would really vibe with me. Like, eh, okay, we'll see. Uh, yeah, so, I agree with you. Like, once they find something that's, like, really topical. They like to, they're like, oh, we need one more nomination. Let's just put it in here. <laughs> and that's kind of my problem with a lot of Oscars in general is because it, going back to the best picture for a second, it's like I said, Top Gun Maverick, I think represents 2022 the most, but it's not what they're going to pick because, and I don't know what the Oscars should be. Should the Oscars be the movie that are going to be the most timeless or timely, you think? Because there's so many years where I look and I'm like, these are like the movies you pick, like nobody's going to give a crap about this in even next year. Why would you pick a movie like, okay, what was a couple of years ago? Okay. Right now I'm thinking off the top of my head, there's like, um, like maybe I shouldn't go into that one. That one's a little bit hot, button, but you know what? Fine. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the, the big fiasco with uh, La La Land versus Moon Knight in 2016, mm-hmm. because that's one of the big ones. I'm sure Moonlight's a perfectly good movie. I haven't it's seen great. it, but also nobody's talking about it. People's, La La Land is the most timeless one that year. People are going to talk about that one for years. Oh, I Moonlight, see what you're saying. Yeah. Moonlight, like I think LGBTQ2 plus uh, things like that was more prominent at the time. It was very topical that year. It was maybe the most important movie of that year. 
and the issues are still important. But, you know, maybe this is me just being an optimist, but there's going to come a point where, you know, we're going to be more accepting as a society. And I think we're already going there. And people are going to look back on this as kind of a relic, like, whoa, what do you mean people discriminated? And La La Land will just be something to enjoy. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's just, that's just one example. But there's so many things that I'm like, yeah, they're relevant this year. But there's so many things that just aren't going to be relevant or like the next year or nobody will care about. And then it's like, what do you award? Do you award the most relevant this year or do you award the one that'll be most relevant for longer? And I think the Academy tends to like relevant for this year. Yeah, for sure. Whereas I'm more like, what's, whereas I tend to fall more towards, I want to see the most timeless thing. Mm -hmm. What's going to resonate with people a hundred years from now? What are people still going to hold up? Is like, yeah, I can still enjoy this. Is like, this resonates with people, humanity in general. This is what humans have always felt and will always feel. It's not an issue of today. It's just a universal story everyone around the world can relate to. We'll always be able mm-hmm. to enjoy as long as humans are anything like we are today emotionally. So that's just my two cents on that. But So the last one is writing, original screenplay. Banshees of Anishirin, Everything Every by Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, The Fablemans by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner, Tar by Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness by Ruben Osland. My pick for this one, Banshees of Anishirin. I yeah. just saw it the other day uh, in theaters, because it wasn't theaters a while ago, but I think they just brought it back because it got nominated for For the so Oscars, things. yeah. It's such a, it's such an interesting movie, and it was really refreshing to me, to be honest, because I've been watching a lot of blockbuster spectacle movies lately, but to go see something like The Banshees of Inishirin, where do, do you know what it's about at all? I know what it's about, yeah. Yeah, where just the entire plot just hinges on two best friends are hanging out on this isolated island, and one of them is like, I don't want to be friends anymore, and the other guy just obsesses about that. But why? for the entire movie. It's so low stakes and but emotionally impactful and it's really philosophical as well. It's about how boring and mundane people's lives are and how you try to find you cause problems when you're bored and just everyone's hmm. trying to find meaning in their meaningless lives however they can. And go to extremes for it and you know is being a dull person who is just nice to people but doesn't really have any ambition is that good enough out of life or does life have to be more interesting and to make life more interesting do you have to sacrifice just in regular old peaceful existence to make things happen and it's also a really funny movie too there's a lot of great dialogue back and forth there's just there's a whole lot here for such a low-key movie and it was very well done by martin mcdonough martin mcdonough is a name that when i think of it the first thing i think of is good screenwriter we taught we were learned we were taught about martin mcdonough stuff in my screenwriting courses in university just because he's he's held in very high esteem among screenwriting circles and Ever since I heard about the Banshees of Inishirin, it was, oh, this is probably going to win the best picture, not the best picture, for 
uh, best screenplay for Oscars. So that's why I think it'll probably win. Yeah. Because this is the only one I've heard any buzz about in terms of screenplays. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard very, I've heard very good things about this movie. It's definitely on my list after the wa- after watching, uh, after I will watch. <sighs> Jesus, <laughs> everything, speak. everywhere, everything, everywhere, all, all at once. I think Banshees is on, Dis- is on Disney Plus right now. Oh, is it? Oh, I have like I have, I got like a free rental from Cineplex, whatever. After buying the combo or whatever, so nice. I have that there. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I've heard good things from other people and even from my uncle and his fiance, who they said they watched it. It was really funny, but also well-crafted story. Um, and also when you pair up Colin Farrell and... Um, Brendan Gleeson. Oh, what's his name? Brendan Gleeson. It's, it's just magic. So I think, yeah, that should win and it probably will. All right. So that wraps up the nominees for 2023. We got through this in an hour. The Oscars will probably take four to do the same. Four. Yeah. Yep. I remember watching the one that Ellen hosted, like the most recent one, and that was like three and a half hours. I was like, she did like a order the pizza bit. And I was like, oh my God, can we just get like, to the award? That was like 10 years ago. <laughs> I know. It still the, stuck with me. I enjoyed the one where they didn't have a host. Yeah, because that was quick. Work. Yeah, they actually got through some stuff and it was just, it felt a little more loose and less forced. Yeah. The hosts are always like forcing something or other. It's all, like, once again, it's always I don't think about there's the host this year still. Is there? I think they're are they back to the host now. I don't know. It's just, I don't I'm know. The host up. is always talking about whatever the hot button political topic of the year is. And I'm just like, okay, way to start the ceremony off annoying. I'm not here for politics. I'm oh, here it's for Jimmy movies. Kimmel again. Jimmy Kimmel again? Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to make any jokes. <laughs> I don't know. He's not going to bring up anything that happened last year. <laughs> well, if you... Yeah. I don't know. Acknowledging things is... That's why it's okay no, to be comedians. I'm just like, okay, yeah. just talk talk about the movies. If the movies happen to deal with political issues, that's one thing. But when you make the ceremony mm-hmm. to honor movies about political issues, it's annoying. I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. I also don't care when celebrities use their platform and their speeches to go on forever about whatever cause they're into this year. Like, oh, for sure. Okay. Just, just thank the people and who, who worked on the movie. Maybe say something like two seconds on oh, look into this charity or mm-hmm. think about this or that, but like, don't go on for five minutes about whatever you're believing in right now. Mm-hmm. Go on Twitter for I that. I do like, I did like, I did like Michelle Yeoh's speech of the Golden Globes, though, where they try to, she wasn't talking about anything political. Um, well, she, she was just talking about the importance of um, integrating uh, Asian culture into Hollywood, how they get more recognizable now. And she wasn't yeah. even going on for that long. And then the, they started to play her off. And then she just goes, I'm speaking. Like, <laughs> she said, I'm speaking, please. And then the whole crowd was like, yeah, because <laughs> it's Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> She's iconic. So like she handled it very. She handled it very well. I was like, "Don't you dare interrupt the queen, Michelle Yeoh." Yeah, I think she plays. I hope an she em- wins. She plays an empress on Star Trek Discovery. So you say queen, I say empress. Hmm. Yeah. I love. I loved so, when she popped up in Shang Chi. That was a surprise to me. I was like, Ah, Michelle Yeoh. 
My Just one friend who was, uh, who, who's like from that, uh, like has an Asian background, he, he was like, you know who Michelle Yeoh is? I'm like, of course I know who Michelle Yeoh is. I'm not that white. <laughs> yeah. I know who she is. <laughs> I was just kind of funny, funny sometimes how there's certain, like in other cultures, there's these massive celebrities who we have no idea. Like, for example, I think in the, in the Last of Us TV show, there was that one lady who was the infectious disease specialist. Apparently, she's huge in her country. She's like one of the biggest yeah, actresses in I her country. Yeah, I kind of recognized like, her. never seen you before, so. Yeah, I recognized her in something. I can't remember what it was, though. Hmm. Oh, well. Uh, uh, nah, never mind. I was like, she kind of looked like the same person from Loki, but that's kind of because it was the suit as well that she was wearing. Loki. Like the, uh... The, uh, like the TA officers with the sticks. Oh, okay. TVA. Right. right. I don't know. I can't think of who you mean but yeah, right now, but all right. The, like the main guard that kept pruning people or tried oh. to keep pruning Loki. It's been a while. I know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh, so you have any, uh, summary of thoughts for this year's nominees? Uh, hope it goes well. Hope no one gets assaulted. <laughs> I, I hope. I hope the ceremony goes quick. Oh, that's such and a high bar. That's such a low bar to clear, Ryan. Wouldn't any, nobody would get assaulted at the Oscars. You think they have security? <laughs> well, to be fair, why would they have security for... Never mind. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Look, I think everyone Whatever. will be fine as long as nobody talks about Jada Pinkett Smith aloud. I love how they're like, oh, yeah, we're banning Will Smith. We're banning Will Smith from the ceremony for 10 years. And they're like, well, what about Jada? She's just allowed to come. (laughs) She's just allowed to show up. I guess so. I would lie. If I was her, just as a joke, I would show up to every single year just to see what, like, all the jokes fly by. (sighs) I wouldn't want to. People's faces. I wouldn't want to bother. It'd be like, Anytime you pan the camera over to me, it's like, oh, we're just waiting for the Smiths to do something now. Like, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. even want to go after that. She's Uh, probably busy with another entanglement. Anyway. (sighs) Wow. (laughs) So the biggest snub I I can think of this year was um, Viola Davis for The Woman King. She's the only one I looked at all these lists and was like, yeah, Yeah. that's, that's not fair. You were really great in that one. That was one of the best performances I saw last year, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the only snub I really care about. Like you said, the Batman yeah, got I... snubbed for a lot, too. That should have done better. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any, really, besides Viola Davis, even though I haven't seen it, any acting or actresses uh, snubs. They've actually done pretty well this year in terms of nominations. It was pretty solid around the board. A lot of the movies I saw, mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you there? All the ones I saw, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I can see why that's there. Yeah. So I still think they need to add like a stunts category. Oh, of course. I just I th- I think yeah, it's just Yeah, but Tom Cruise would I win mean, every it, year. Like, it's if not they fair. did that Yeah, it's fair. Like if they did that in the nineties, it'd go to Tom Cruise or Jackie Chan. Like it wouldn't be like Oh Jackie Chan. But maybe as well. you do yeah. maybe you do a Or Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh does a Michelle Yeoh does a lot of stunts too. That's true, yeah. So we'll go to Tom Cruise, Jackie Chan, or Michelle Yeoh. It'd be like three of that, and maybe a couple others I'm forgetting, like just all the time. The most Oscar wins of all time. Yeah. 
I think, oh yeah, Jackie Chan has an honorary Oscar, I'm pretty sure. Because they do oh. that every year too. Where they, when they do like the private ceremony and they do kind of the um, less popular categories. I think Samuel Jackson won one. And then I think also Jackie Chan won one. I have to look that up. I think he won one, Jackie Chan. Mm. Jackie Chan, Oscar. Pretty sure he did. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Governor's Award. All did right. that in 2016. 200 films he's been in. God damn. The man's a workaholic. I think really? he also, he's one of those, he's one of those actors that said, yeah, when I die, my kids aren't getting uh, the fortune because I want them to work for their money. I respect that. Yeah. But where's his money her- go? Oh, no, I think he said he's going to, like, donate to, like, I think um, some film industries or, like, crews over in uh, where he's from. I think that's what he said. I think he got his start in Hong Kong. Not, don't quote me on yeah, that. Yeah, Hong but, Kong, yeah. Yeah. His right, act, so- his... His is the most, like, iconic action scenes ever. They're so, like, well planned out. Jackie Chan gives a crap about action more than most other people. He's mm-hmm. very... He's a he's a real perfectionist that way, I've heard. Yeah. And he's a very nice man, I've heard as well. Yeah, I haven't heard anything bad about him. No. Yeah, so that's 2023's Oscars in review. We're not going to... Do a follow-up, probably, unless something crazy happens, like we said. So, this is it. Unless for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless there's a riot. Yeah, take uh, a food, grain of salt, with what you will. Let's close out here. You can find me at Ryan Walker, official on TikTok, Instagram, and on YouTube. Trying to do more content there. Um, doing my best, but I'm slowly dying. But, you know. I just realized after doing content, like, how hard it is to edit, to, like, just find time aside to actually edit stuff it's such a pain in the ass so, yeah so filming isn't filming isn't hard it's the editing, editing that, all this oh i i, I struggle <laughs> to keep this up and whatever else i'm doing i got a million <laughs> things a on the go but oh, claps for much. joe thank claps you very much in the chat i try support ryan so he doesn't die all right and uh you can find me on instagram tiktok and facebook at thought play media also, check out the close-up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews, as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button or sharing if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. Take care. Keep my wife's ne- I'm not gonna do it. Oh my lord. <sighs> You went there.